Today on Lockdown Red Wings, we look at the usage of Jacob Verana and we preview the third and final matchup against the New York Islanders. You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. Scotty also hosts over at Locked On Tigers. I want to thank you guys for making us your first listen every single day. We are free and available on all platforms. And today, we're going to lead things off with actually, we wanted to talk about Mark Stahl before we get into Jacob Vron in the preview because they game against the Philadelphia Flyers, they held the ceremony for his 1,000th career. We didn't get a chance to talk about it yesterday because we, we were we too didn't. busy with like the actual game yeah. stuff. Yeah, we didn't get a chance to talk about it. And there's really, it's not like a whole segment's worth, Scotty. It's just more like, uh, you know, congratulations to Mark Stahl. He's had a hell of a career. And for a guy, when they traded for him, I mean, my mindset, my mindset on Mark Stahl was like last year of a $5 million deal. If he has a little bit of a bounce back, you can trade him. If not, you know, at the end of the year, you, you let him go. No big deal. You just you got a couple of draft picks for taking on a contract. He has turned out, in my opinion, to be far much more than just that, than just a salary cap dump from the New York Rangers for draft picks. He has turned into a locker room leader, and even on the ice at 35 years old, he has actually been, you know, I, w- I would say a decent defenseman for the Red Wings. I mean, especially when you take in the fact that he's 35 years old, he's been an effective defenseman. For the Detroit Red Wings this season on a de- defense that has overall been pretty underwhelming. Yeah, no, and and you know he hasn't contributed positively very much to the defensive side of the defensive unit, but yes, he's been a he's been a pretty solid offensive defenseman this year. He has. I mean, he's been pretty productive in that area. Um, yeah, like we saw the Mojo Show, right, where they called him Dad, and like like, I mean, it's it, you know. I, I had the same thing when we first came in. I was kind of just expecting, you know what? Uh, this is going to be a guy. This guy's just really attached to the end of this team for the sheer fact that it was a, uh, it was a salary dump. And, uh, and uh, <laughs> Brian, man, <laughs> Brian sent me ridiculous text in the middle of my monologue here. Um, <laughs> I, no, I, when he was attached to this deal, I didn't think anything of it at all. I, I thought that, or I didn't think anything positive of it at all, I should say. I, I, I figured that it was solely added on so that we could get more of a more draft capital in the return. And, and that's still probably true and well, definitely true. Um but he has definitely been a little bit more than than I expected. I kind of expected a complete train wreck, um, and he would be gone after last season. But again, like like I've already said, and like you already said, he's been a decent leader. I think it makes sense that he wears that A, and uh, and and also I, I, for for as you know, if we just ignore the defense, he's actually been pretty productive offensively. Yeah, he's he's an offensive defenseman at heart. And you know what? He at 35 again, I reiterate, at 35 years old, 
And he got re-signed in the offseason to a one-year contract, $2 million, $3 million less than what he was making. Scotty, this season, he's got an expected goals for percentage of exactly 50, 50%, which is the bar. Yeah, so we'll he has it. been, and now he, he has been a, a decent contributor as a depth defenseman role on this team. And I, you know, we, a lot of people joke and they meme about the usage of, you know, the term locker room leader. And he's got like a, he's a locker room guy, but there is a actual value to that. And I think that Mark Stahl very, and you said it just in your monologue there before I made you laugh. Um, he got that A for a reason, and it's because a lot of the young guys in that locker room look up to him. And there is, you know, it gets to a certain point where you don't need a thousand veterans on in your locker room that are over thirty years old. You don't need, but like it is nice to have that one guy that the team kind of considers the team dad. And when you're a young Red Wings team trying to build a culture, a guy like Mark Stahl is pretty paramount to building that culture, and it, it it's reflected in his, his teammates respect him. And I I love I honestly have really enjoyed. For a, a trade that was made when I when they made that trade, they got a second round pick out of it, and I was like, Mark Stahl's value is that second round pick, and I was like, I'm a, a okay with the trade just because they got that second round pick out of it, and they have the cap space to take him on. Like I said, we've gotten so much more out of Mark Stahl than I'd ever hoped, and I'm glad that he got his 1,000th career game with the Detroit Red Wings because, you know, he's just a class act guy. I'm just I, I'm really glad he's with the Red Wings, and if this is where he ends his career, I'm okay with that. Because this team that you need when you're trying to build a culture, Mark Stahl is a perfect guy to build a culture with. Just I'm really happy he's with the what do uh, What do you think we do with him this offseason? What do you think his next move is? <sighs> to be honest, I think with this team kind of in a transition period, this, the defense needs a complete overhaul. And we've we've talked about it. You know, they Eiserman went out there, picked up U11 and uh, traded for Woolman. So we got two good defensemen who are RFAs. Um, Actually noted, now this is kind of an anecdote, Wallman actually needs to play 17 of the remaining 20 games with the Detroit Red Wings to remain an RFA. If not, he becomes a G6 UFA. So, because he did not play the required minimum NHL games by his age 25 season, he becomes an unrestricted free agent. But if he plays in 17 of the last 20, he remains an RFA. Sure. That's actually a huge deal. So yeah, big difference. If you think that like, if you're the Red Wings, you throw him out there every single game, so he hits that 17th threshold and remains in RFA. Yeah, why not? But that's neither here nor there. That's just an anecdote. Um, this defense needs a whole overhaul, Scotty. So I'm not really sure what's what Mark Stahl's role is on it. Now, could I see him staying on for another season, continue, con considering the production he's had on that back end as a depth defenseman and kind of a leader? Yeah, but you don't need too many of those. You need one Mark Stahl on the team. And are there younger, maybe more productive veteran defensemen out there you could grab? Probably. So I don't know if he sticks around past this year, but if he doesn't, I'm going to be incredibly grateful for the two years he has given the Detroit Red Wings because it's far more than I expected. And I think that the team has really responded well to him in the locker room. I mean, clearly he's gotten that A. Yeah, absolutely. No, and, and like you said, the defensive core as a whole, you're ridiculous. I hate you. <laughs> the defensive core as a whole is is shallow, to say the least. Shallow. Uh, so I, I don't know, man. I, I I go back and forth. I'm not really sure he's he's really fit for 
uh, the future of the defense, but at the same time, it's already so shallow. And unless we're bringing in four dudes next this offseason, we, we might have Mark stick around again and, and get – I wouldn't mind Mark Stahl as a third-line defenseman yeah. next and season. What's crazy, too, is like – I think if he's second line again, that's where I'm like, okay, I don't think we got really any better, and this is going to be another train wreck of a defense – of a blue line year. But if he's our third-line defenseman, I can look around and say, okay – I'm okay with him still being here. He's still going to provide something on the back end. We'll still get his leadership. And on top of all of that, he got moved down, so we must have gotten better in the top four. That's a, that's a solid point. And I actually, while you were while you were going on there and sending me a response back via text, um, I looked at his relative because I talked about his goal, expected goals for percentage being 50, which is, mind you, in 56 games, the t- Red Wings expected goals for percentage basically, which means quality shot attempts versus shot quality shot attempts for versus quality shot attempts against uh, the teams is only like 47 and Mark Stahls is 50. So right then and there, you're seeing that he's, he must be a positive impact. If he's at 50, especially right. with how weak that defensive core is relative, he's a 4.96 at five on five. So he's on the ice providing, you know, 4.96% more Quality shot attempts for than quality shots attempt against. And now a lot of that is because he's an offensive defenseman. So he's jumping up in the play, taking shot attempts. Cause there've been a couple times he's been dog walking in the defensive zone. You all can say that about pretty much everybody on this defense. That is also, that is very valid. So at 35 years old, he's, I I reiterate, he's, he's created incredible value for the Detroit Red Wings. And I, I go back and forth. I'm trying to, I try to separate my bias out of it. You know, as a Red Wings fan, I like him and it's like, okay, but, this team going forward, are they going to need a Mark Stahl? So yeah, that, that's sure. where it gets tough because we, we as Red Wings fans get attached to players so easily, even if the team's not that great, like Vladislav Nemesnikov, we were so attached to him. And so it hurts to see him leave, but you recognize in your head, like, okay, but business wise, the cold blooded side of you, the business side is like, I understand why that move was made. And I, yeah. I'm thinking like going forward, like if this is his last season, I understand why, but God dang, do I love those two seasons he spent with the Detroit Red Wings. I think we got way more out of him than anyone expected. And I, I think part of his revitalization of his career is because he came to a team that wanted him. And at the end of his tenure in New York, I don't think the Rangers wanted him. And I think there was there was a well, rift. Certainly not. Between they the organization. They basically paid us to take him. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they literally did. Yeah. So here he's been clearly wanted. And I think that's led to a little bit of the revitalization, which is also another reason why it'd be hard to give him up. Completely agree. Well, we ended up getting a full segment out of that. That wasn't the intent, but I, apparently we love Mark Stahl more than we anticipated. Started talking about him. It's like, oh, my feelings for him. I run a little deep. It's that beard, honestly. Like when I, one from run, one red beard to another. Gotta love him. To, to me. To you. Who's, at least <laughs> you have the hair on your head. He's got both, but. True, true. Mark Stahl's just better than both of us in the end. Well, All right. I don't disagree with that. He's. <laughs> nice long <laughs> NHL career we're talking about it so <laughs> uh, I want to talk to you guys today about betonline.net it's that time of year again as college basketball's tournament is finally upon us from all the latest odds contests and player props betonline.net is the number one source for your all your sports betting needs and info betonline remains the best spot for all your sports scores podcasts and news this season and it's not just basketball betonline is your continued source for all your sport sport wagering information needs including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the new website or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online. Bet online. Where the game starts. 
segment two, Thursday edition, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. You got a you got a grin on your face, and I do not trust that. No, it's because of you. The way you said where the game starts was oh, weird. Okay. <laughs> well, that was the intent. I I try sometimes try to be weird, and I don't know if that actually benefits me or not. <laughs> well, you Probably killed not. that one, brother. You're well, thank you. Job. I appreciate it, Scotty. <laughs> Um, let's talk now about Jacob Verana and we've noticed as has every Red Wings person on Twitter, because you know, it's in our replies and it's in, on our feed. Jacob Verana has been up and down in the lineup since returning. And a, but a big part of the reason Scotty that he got traded to us in that Mantha deal is because the Washington Capitals and Verana could not agree on how to utilize by the way, that is the term. It just came to my head. That is the term I was thinking about earlier when I couldn't come up with the cold open. The term utilize. They couldn't come up with how to utilize a player like Jared Verana on an incredibly deep Washington Capitals team. Isn't so that really up, what I told you to say? Isn't you said usage. To... Oh, okay, okay. I was like, I swear I used the U word. Is that He's not close. what I said? No, you're right. Utilize you're right. is the word I was thinking of. Usage you're was still right. good, though. No, 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 no. I, I genuinely couldn't remember what I said. That's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's fine. He's a writer. Um... <laughs> It was an incredibly deep Washington Capitals team. They couldn't figure out quite how to use him. And so they traded him to a Red Wings team that would give him more opportunity. In theory, he played top six minutes in the last 10 games of the season last season. And then after his injury, he came back, played two games, top six minutes. Then all of a sudden went down to the third line, provided no production. And then after the trade deadline, boom, back up in the top six again, scores two goals last night or two nights ago by the time you're listening to this. So the question becomes, why the hell were they ever putting him on the third line to begin with? That's a great question. <laughs> don't you don't you only know someone could answer that? Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't get it. it. It didn't make sense to me then. It still doesn't make sense to me now. He's he's he scores pretty much every single night, and he was scoring in the first couple of games when, when he first came back, and you had him in top six. I. I don't understand. I, I never understood the move to make him go down. And, and uh, I'm hoping that the one silver lining that comes out of the Vlad trade is that Verona can get some more minutes in the top six again. Yeah, so he's played seven games now. And I've seen a couple different theories as to why he got moved down. And I, I kind of want to debunk both of them. And honestly, I feel like my answer is contradictory to like – how I've defended this particular individual in the past, but two overarching theories I've seen a lot on Twitter, uh, based on what I've seen in my replies. So, you know, you know, great track record there. But one was that they were showcasing Vlad and Mesnikov. And so that's why Vlad was playing top pair, top line minutes. And there could be a grain of truth to that, but also Vlad and Mesnikov's a guy, you know, in the height of his career, his entire career has been a half point per game player. His entire career has been overarching a, you know, depth forward, third line, second line at best. On this team, he's had been forced to play top line minutes, and he's achieved that. There's, so there's an entire season's worth of evidence already suggesting this is what Vladimir Mesnikov is. And then on top of that, if they were showcasing him for that reason, and you still only got a fourth round for the year 2024, then what was the point? <laughs> in the first place. So I don't think it was the showcase Vlad as to why they move Rana down in the lineup. Yeah. I, I, I just, I don't think that that's a thing. I, that that's not the type of player 
like play style and 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 fit wise that's not the type of player you showcase that just doesn't you're you're going to showcase Vlad what four extra minutes a night and and that's going to really change everybody's opinion on him like yeah he's averaging half a point a game he's averaging half a point a game it doesn't matter if he's down there. that that's not the type he's of done player he's done his entire you, career <laughs> right that's not the type of player you do that that two or four um that yeah, I, I don't I don't agree with that. I don't think Vlad that makes is too much sense. Who Vlad is, and no matter where you put him in the lineup, that's who he is. That's what makes him such a strong asset. So there was really no need to showcase him, which is why I don't necessarily agree with that take. The other right. take I saw a lot of is it was his conditioning. They put him on the third line to get him up to speed. And I don't agree with that for the principle of in the first two games he played top six minutes and scored three goals in two games. He didn't look out of place. So why then all of a sudden would you move him down to the third line where he proceeds to score zero goals in that stretch? You put him back in the top six, and he scores two goals immediately. So that that theory just doesn't seem to make sense to me either. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I'm not really right? sure the, the reasoning for having him start off there. If it was – I mean, I guess – if they were going back and forth, back and forth relatively frequently, then you could maybe be like, okay, you know, it's an every other game thing. Maybe that is, maybe it is a conditioning thing, you know. Oh, they, they only want him to play like 14 tonight. But, I mean, it was it was the first two, and then it was just kind of he was a third liner. Um, so I, I don't really think strategy-wise that that really lines up with it being an ease-into type of situation. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I agree with either of those. So that brings me to my theory. And I don't agree with it, it already. So All right, beautiful. Well, that, that makes for good radio or good podcasting. Um, that it was just poor coaching. And, you know, I'm, I've been, you know, pretty, agree with it. pretty staunch – Blashill defender uh, his entire tenure and the team's taken a massive step forward and whether or not you can say that's despite or because of, or in spite of Jeff Blashill is, you know, that's, that's your own opinion. But for the first time in what seems like a long time, I I feel like that was just a, 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 a move. I disagree with by Jeff Blashill to put a guy as score who has the scoring touch of Jacob Verana. And I say this because Jacob Verana in seven games this season has zero assists, but he has five goals. He isn't a guy who drives the play. He is a guy who finishes plays. So if you want Jacob Verana to succeed, you got to put him with players who can put him in a position to succeed. Players like Dylan Larkin, Lucas Raymond, Tyler Bertuzzi. Those three guys are going to be able to put him in a position to succeed. And unfortunately, Joe Valeno is not there yet. So to put him on the third line is why you see a lack of production. You saw it. Two, both of it. One, one of his goals yesterday was he just he got the puck from behind the net. A pass came out from, I think, Pew Suter. Two of them in front of the net. He put it away. It was a nice shot by him. The other goal, Dylan Larkin fade away pass from the other direction. One-timer. He's a finisher. He doesn't drive the play. So if you want him to succeed, he's got to play top six minutes with your best players, and he'll do great. But you're, if you put him on the third line... He's not going to do that well. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with all of that. And I, I think that um, a lot of his production does come from who 
you know, the the level of playmakers that are also sharing a line with him. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. No. Not, well, yeah, plenty. I would say almost maybe even a majority of wingers in the NHL are like that. That's Precisely. Not, a, yeah. not, not a bad thing at all. Um, it just it, it may it just means that it does matter who your who your line mates are and um, and Valeno's looked good the last couple of weeks too. Yeah, and I yeah. I don't think that 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 should be lost on anybody that he's looked good the last couple of weeks and how long has Verona been back? Seven games. <laughs> so a couple of weeks. Right. So like I I don't think even without the goal scoring from Verona, I don't think it should just be lost on people as the the correlation between those two things. Um, but yes, I, I, I agree. I, I think it's just like getting the most bang for your buck. Like Verona is not the, the Bertuzzi type of score where in the sense that Bertuzzi just does wreaks havoc in front of the net and just causes mayhem. And eventually the puck gets on net and sometimes it goes in and he can do that on any line, no matter who he's playing with, because he, just turns into the Tasmanian devil and just <laughs> goes that. crazy on the ice. Right. Um, and so I, I think that it, it basically, I mean, like everything you said, man, like he, he, it just makes way more sense for him to be playing higher minutes and to be playing with people where, you know, his type of style, his production can get maximized rather than, Oh, let's see if Valeno can make something work with him. Valeno's well, looked really good. He's taken steps forward over the last couple of weeks. I, I still think you're, the perfect utilization would be something different. Yeah. I mean, I think with the subtraction of Vlad Nemestikov from the lineup, I think there's going to be a much bigger opportunity for him to play top six minutes and the Robbie Fabry injury, obviously. Because you take away Robbie Fabry, who is a you know a genuine top six forward, and then Mesnikov, who could is very versatile and play anywhere. I think that opens the door for Verona to probably play top six minutes the rest of the season here on either the second or the first line. So it's not really an issue. I feel like the rest of the season here on out. Um, the question becomes like, what are your lines though from here on out? Especially when you play the New York Islanders tomorrow or tonight, rather. By the time you're listening to this. And, uh, you know, the New York Islanders are sixth in the Metropolitan Division. Flyers were seventh. They're not, they're playing a, for a team that should be bought better, they're not playing that great of a, uh, having a great, that great of a season. They're 27, 25, and nine. So they are two games above 500, but the Metro Division's, it's a bitch. It's a tough division to play in. Yes, it um, is. So, and you look at this game against the New York Islanders tonight, with Jacob Vrana in mind, like what, what do you think your offensive lines are going to look like, especially with the addition of Oscar Sundquist in the bottom six? Yeah, man, I want, I think I want Larkin, Raymond, Zadina, one, Verona, Burt, Suter, two, and just have really? the second line just cause absolute mayhem out there. I'm surprised you want Zadina on the top line. Um, what, what's your reasoning behind that? Oh, uh, the fact that I want those other three together on two. Fair enough. <laughs> That's literally Fair. it. I, I mean, I, I, I would really enjoy a night of a Suter Bertuzzi Verona line. I think that could be really, really effective. I think all of their play styles bounce off each other incredibly well. I think that that could be a really effective line, which just leaves a hole at the top because I have Bert and Verona both on two. And the only person 
left that I'm really chill with with putting now that Vlad's gone, that I'm really chill with putting at left wing is honestly Zadina. So it's not really anything to do with, you know, I think Zadina, whatever. But it's more of just I really want those other three to all play together for at least just give me a game of seeing it because I think it would be yeah. sick. I, I actually, now that you've explained it, I do understand what you're saying. Suter's good at like, creating opportunities. Bertuzzi down low is the guy who's, you know, grit, going to keep the puck, keep the tension, and, you know, Verona Verona just being the finisher. Verona slot with his stick up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do personally think that Verona would be better suited with guys like Lucas Raymond and Dylan Larkin, especially given what we've seen so far this season with Verona and Larkin and what we saw last season. Uh, I think Verona just benefits so greatly off of Larkin's playmaking ability. Same with Lucas Raymond. That, also fair. I mean, literally anyone you put with Dylan Larkin is going to benefit greatly. Um, but with Verona's finishing ability, putting him with Dylan Larkin, the the synergy between those two could be unreal. I mean, we saw it uh, against the in the game against um, the Flyers with that one-time goal, uh, which would leave your second line being Zadina, Suter, and Bertuzzi. And that would get a little interesting because we continue to wait for Zadina's production to amp up. And you see, you, you watch the games and you see it and you go, he's so close. He's so close, but he just can't figure it out. Um, and then the third line I have is Valeno, Gagne, and Ernie, because for some reason that line is good together. I don't know what it is. I'm about it. I'm about um, it. And my fourth line, Smith, Rasmussen, and Sundquist. Yes, sir. I have the exact same fourth, man. I think that would be Bruiser. such a sweet, such a sick fourth line, man. Bruiser line. Um, I, I, do, I just keep going back to it. I think that Nicoletti trade made the – the team just deeper you know not like a ton better but those addition of those two players makes them a lot deeper of a team players that aren't going to like wow you on the ice but just shore it up and make you a little bit more confident in your bottom six on both forward and defense or bottom four i guess in defense i just feel way more confident now after i mean again one game so maybe it's a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction uh probably is a knee-jerk reaction but I, based on who we had on this team in the bottom six and the bottom pair defensively before the trade deadline versus after the trade deadline, like all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, well, you know, it's less bad. I won't say it's good, but it's less bad. It's not good, but it's less bad. Yes. <laughs> I mean, like in, in this game is, is pretty, um, I don't know if I'm confident saying winnable, but like. It should be there. They've be, they've. They, this is they the got third a, time they've they played got a really good goaltending situation over there. Um, that's a that's a that's a team that, um, yes, they absolutely do. Really, really, really good goaltending situation over there, which is always a fun game down, especially down the stretch, last whatever third of the season. Uh, but their offense has been a roller coaster of epic proportions, uh, and has not been very good as of late. So. I mean, uh, I don't know. Like, I don't, I'm not comfortable saying any Red Wings game is going to be low scoring. So that's not going to happen. Uh, I'm. Uh, you can't even really, like, sit up here and be like, oh, well, you know, the, the Wings offense is going to show out. You can't really guarantee that either. Um, I don't know. This could be a complete bleep show, to be honest with you, on for both sides. 
Um, well, the Red Wings have one thing going for them, and that's that this in the third in the first two matchups this season, they won both games, although they were both one goal games. And December fourth, they won four to three in overtime. I think that was a Moritz Sider overtime winner, if I co- recall correctly. And then the second game, they won two to one in regulation on December fourteenth. So they have beaten the Islanders twice, despite the fact that they have fantastic goaltending. And the fantastic goaltending you're referring to is Ilya Sorokin having a 927 save percentage in 41 games. That's bonkers, dude. There's a lot of really good goaltenders in this league, I'm finding out. And Sorokin, with a 927 save percentage this season, is insane. And then their backup, Simon Varlamov, with 21 games played and a save percentage of 917. Can you imagine having that tandem? And then not being, you know, first, second, or third in your division. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, they, they have goaltending and they have nothing else right now. Right, yeah, that, like that's it. I, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I just get really big feels that this is just going to be a train wreck of a game for both teams. Those are the vibes that I get. I'm talking like, like somebody blows a lead and then that lead's blown and then it like, I don't know, scrappy maybe. I, I just feel like this game is going to be a complete disaster for both teams. You know what's funny is I actually disagree with you. I, I've got good vibes on this ep- on this episode on this game rather. I'm glad you get good vibes on the app too, man. I do have good vibes on this episode. I feel like it's been very good. Um. Pat myself on the back. Pet you. I'm gonna pat you on the back too. While I'm at it. Thanks, man. But I don't know. I, I look at the this Islanders team, and they've been very underwhelming and underperforming all season long. They've already beat them twice, and Delkovich having a couple bounce back performances, three now, where he's you know had an above 900 save percentage, two of which were 40 save performances. I don't know. I got. I, I just feel like this team's on the up. Right now, they're they're after that two weeks of just poultry hockey. I feel like they're swinging upwards at the moment, and I think following the Flyers game with an Islanders team who again is above five hundred, but six in the Metropolitan Division because the Metropolitan Metropolitan Division is a bitch. It's really tough. I don't know. I just got this vibe that they're going to finish the season strong. Again, it's a vibe, just a vibe. So I it's could be vibe. completely wrong. Hey, it's a vibe. It's all a vibe. It's all a vibe. But good I just I, I have good I got a good feeling right now. X Factor. Oh, um, Jacob Vrana. I don't know if that's a cop out or not, but I I, I, I no, I'll take he's it. He's giving me a vibe too. <laughs> he's giving me a vibe right now. The, those that two goal performance from uh, the against the Flyers uh, piqued my interest. Let's say. Uh, my X Factor. This is a cop out. I'll admit it. Whoever's the goaltender for the Islanders that night. That's my X factor. I mean, that's been the only thing keeping them in games. Pretty much the only thing keeping them over 500 at the moment. Even Varlamov's got a 917 save percentage, though. Like, that's still better than Nadelkovich's at the moment. Yeah, that's my point, man. The whole situation there is nutty. So, yeah, my X factor is just going to be the performance of who <laughs> the goalie <laughs> for the Islanders. There I, you go. That's fair. Um, I never, I never said that we could not cop out when we do these things. That's true. That was, that was never a rule that was in place. Um, let us know your guys' X factors for this game against the Islanders in the comments. And don't forget, you can re- leave us a rating on Spotify and Apple. Please do so if you would. It would be appreciated. 
And uh, Scotty, any final thoughts? Uh, your mother. <laughs> Thanks for making Lockdown Red Wings your first listen every day. Scotty. Now make your second listen, Lockdown Fantasy Hockey. Host Steel Roden and Flip Livingstone help your mother become the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> we ball, baby. We, ball. we absolutely ball. Scotty's hilarious. Um, <laughs> you've, you've made my girlfriend start saying that to me. I'm so happy about it. That's like the greatest screenshot I've ever gotten in my life. Like, look what you've done. Look what you've done. <laughs> I'm so happy. Make, make a grown man cry. <laughs> All right. We'll be back with a game recap tomorrow at two game previews because they play back to backers on uh, this weekend. So same time, same place. It's your team. Every day. Your mother. God dang it. <laughs>